Welcome to part two of our two-part podcast series, CRST the Podcast, Telehealth in Ophthalmology, Hip or Hype. We're glad you've joined us to hear Drs. Habash, McCabe, Williamson, and Zaldivar conclude their conversation. This program was supported with advertising by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The opinions and views expressed during this program are those of the individual participants and are not necessarily those of Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation or its affiliates. Now, let's get back to the panel. So, I wanted to move forward a little bit here. There we go. To um, second opinion consults. So, you know, the four of us and our institutions and our, our practices um, do a lot of second opinions. You know, here at Bascom, we have patients coming from you know, all over the world um, to see us, I'm sure, just like you guys do. And now that the telehealth rules are relaxed, we are, are able to see patients across state lines too. So that opens up a whole new revenue um, model for us and for everyone out there. Um, and that's to do second opinion consults, which are actually super easy for us um, because Ophthalmology is an image-heavy field. So if a patient signs up for the second opinion consult, they can send medical records, you can review them, and then you do a video call. Um, you can either charge a flat fee if there's no insurance, um, or you can do a, uh, uh, you can bill it as a telehealth visit uh, based on time. And that's time spent reviewing the records, talking to the patient, and doing your care coordination afterwards. So this is me doing a telemedicine visit, um, second opinion consult with Dr. Flynn. I got Dr. Flynn on there and he was in North Carolina and really enjoyed weighing in on this macular hole. But this was a very, you know, we do this, I think I just want to say this, we do this a million times a day anyway. But this now becomes another way for a patient to get another opinion, to get, um, to save themselves from a second visit. Um, and, you know, it just takes, it's, it's a very quick kind of thing. But I want you guys to weigh in on that and let me know what your thoughts are. I think we've always done these for free. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, and they, they're not insignificant amount of time. I mean, I'll, I guarantee all of us have had patients who come in and they're like almost can't even lift this chart that they're bringing in with them of stack of papers. Sometimes they'll sit there thinking you're going to actually read them right at that moment and, and go through them all with you. So, and it's not an insignificant amount of time to actually really understand and dive into it. And, I think it's really helpful that you understand that you're going to get paid for that. Cause otherwise if it's just a surprise in the middle of a visit and you have a full clinic, you don't always have the time to spend at that moment to really give it adequate attention. So yeah, I think it's great. I think I'm glad we have this option now. Great. I love it. I love it. And it, it opens a, a whole new era of new applications of digital health and different things that you know a lot Rania and you have been always involved but I think that collaborative care is something that is here to stay and and I, I envision in, in a couple of years many of us working together in different platforms sharing profits for different opinions for for addressing cases for example what Blake had just asked what, what about this ICL we can we can see the patient. We can analyze it. We can size it, the size the lens together, and we can split sometimes or or or, or split just a little bit of the revenue. I, I do think that that's the way we are going to work in the future, in the near future. What a benefit to patients and to each of us and to our colleagues who we can 
more effectively learn from, you know, I think that's, there's just a win, win, win in every way with this. I totally agree. Um, you know, one of the other visits that, that we had done is I had a patient um, from, I think she was from the Bahamas and because of the travel restrictions, she couldn't come in. So she asked me to do a, um, a second opinion consult with her ophthalmologist in the Bahamas. So um, it was a uveitis patient. She had chronic uveitis for a while. Lots of treatments um, had been attempted before. So I said, well, I'm not the world's expert on uveitis. We should probably get Janet Davis involved. So <laughs> ended up doing a four-way consult with the patient, with her physician, her ophthalmologist in the Bahamas, and with Dr. Davis all virtually, where we reviewed her records and had a four-way discussion um, and kind of gave the ophthalmologist there on the ground um, the tools with which to treat the patient. So, um, I mean, I think that kind of thing is just invaluable. Where we, I like what you said, Roger. I mean, this is collaborative care, you know, and uh, this, is, this is how the future should be, where we're just helping patients together um, and giving ophthalmologists anywhere in the world um, access to our expertise. Even prior to COVID, you wouldn't have the resources to bring together that level of expertise for a patient. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that, that uh, surgeons who are working at uh, you know, very renowned institutions um, and, and universities, uh, probably could use this uh, a heck of a lot more or be, you know, very busy using this uh, because that's what patients know. You know, patients just Google around and see, you know, BP, for instance, number one in the world. And so naturally, you know, if I was a patient, I'd say, well, geez, if I could remote in, why wouldn't I get an opinion uh, there? I think in the private practice setting, specifically a, a high volume, you know, refractive cataract practice like mine, you know, I think, I think the key with this is that you, you'd have to kind of almost set aside time uh, to do your consults, right? So I don't know that I could be going, bouncing from room to room and then sit down and do a, a telemedicine consult. I mean, I certainly could actually, but, but in terms of uh, ease of scheduling for my team, uh, my scribe, my technicians, I almost feel like I'd want to carve out a section of my day, call it an hour. Maybe it's the last hour of the day where, you know, that's my telemedicine hour and I'm doing you know, second opinions or, um, you know, I'm doing, you know, different uh, evaluations or, or counseling. Um, I think that would be a good way to do this sort of in a private practice setting. Um, I do think that for private practice folks, you got to put it front and center on your website. You know, do you want to do a telemedicine visit and, and have them be, have access to sign up to that, um, um, you know, over the internet um, uh, in order to kind of do that. And if you do that, I think you could build this up pretty easily. And, yeah. and that's, that, that's exactly how it works, uh, Blake. You know, our experience with this is, is, is very clear. It's, it's not a good idea to mix um, <laughs> telemedicine with the, because they are completely different flows. You need to isolate some time in your day or in your week and dedicate completely to telemedicine because you need to set up the staff, be comfortable, and then it's just very quickly, it flows. But if you need to jump from this, to, to, an, to a different way of, of seeing patients is, is not very smooth. So yeah. it's, that's a good call. Yeah, so these are some of the lessons learned um, that you know, we've learned the hard way. And that is exactly it. If I could put this at the top of the list, which I, I should probably move it to the top of the list, I should. Designate telehealth only clinics do not mix. <laughs> and Absolutely. not stress that enough. I mean, uh, you're right. It's a completely different like way of thinking and dealing with patients. So um, I've set aside like an entire day just for telehealth visits like this. And again, these are, you know, typically time-based visits, unless I'm using like the video slit lamp, which we'll get to in a second, where I can build an iCode. Um, but for the 
regular visits, these are time-based visits. You know, patients want to sit there and talk and you want to review their records. And, you know, they normally, and they're coming to you for a second opinion because they've seen seven other doctors, you know, and these patients require time. And so when you can build on a time-based um, uh, method, then, you know, you should set aside enough time for you to get comfortable and really talk to them and give them their money's worth. Um, and then that being said, you know, imagine uh, the cost savings of a patient just paying a flat fee or a level five, you know, new patient consult uh, fee versus flying to see you and taking time off work and getting a hotel room and all the other, um, you know, travel arrangements that need to be made. You know, this is a very big benefit for the patients as well. So what do you all think about this list of lessons learned? Anything you would add here or take away? <laughs> Some of it's epic specific, so uh, just I think, I, I think the biggest thing that, that people overlook is your second point there, engage office staff. Because when this first got started, man, like my team was acting like this is the most difficult thing ever uh, to, to get patients on the books for telemedicine. I'm like, listen, you know, Roger's been doing this for a decade, for God's sakes. If he can do it, we can do this stuff. Come on. And so, so we, uh, we, uh, what, I, what, I, what I quickly realized is that you have to, um, especially when booking patients telemedicine and giving them the option, um, you have to be careful with the words that, you're, that, you're, that your phone team is using. Um, you know, uh, for us, you know, our patients, you know, or we kind of went in because at first there wasn't a lot of uptick to, to telemedicine. Patient, patients were saying, no, you know, don't worry about it. I, I have an appointment, you know, in three days, but, you know, since everything's canceled and, and everybody's closed down, I'm just not going to come in. And so our staff kind of changed to say, listen, you know, instead of saying, hey, we'd like to offer you the chance to do this telemedicine, they changed their words to, hey, Dr. Williamson asked that I call you. You have an appointment tomorrow at 2 p.m. He'd like to keep that appointment with you. And you can do that from the safety of your own home, right? So, so just by that simple, you know, word uh, uh, switch, patients were much more likely to say, okay, you know, I can, I can do that. Um, so I think you have to, just like, just like any, any other system change or technology integration, you got to motivate your team, you know, uh, educate and motivate. I think yeah. the other thing is having a staff member who is the champion or like the go-to person, the person who really... Mm -hmm embraces it, learns everything about it, makes sure that they're really comfortable and then talks positively about it to the other staff members. And so if you can find somebody that really is positive and uplifting and answers questions for others, I think that's, that's a huge benefit. Definitely. Roger, how do you guys uh, word this when you're saying, when you're talking to your patients? Cause uh, Blake, I, I love the way you put that and just that little switch really does make a difference. We learned yeah. that today. Oh. You, know, you know what we are trying today we are trying to avoid the way tele, the, the word telemedicine because in, in at some point has been like cannibalized a little bit so uh, in order to differentiate a little bit we are using more uh, modular consultation and we always speak about seeing uh, doing the examination stage the first the first phase where we are going to examine deeply your eyes and then we'll have the private session with the best doctor that, that suits your, your case. So we are speaking about customizing even the, the, the two modules. So because it's, it's a unique opportunity where we have all the exams that we can analyze with time. And for example, you have a 21-year-old boy that uh, goes and, and performs a topography, and then you realize, and he, he was thinking that he was a candidate for LASIK. 
and he was going, he was uh, directed to the refractive uh, department. But then you realize that he should go directly to the cornea specialist because he's not a good candidate for LASIK and he, he has a keratoconus and he, and he jumps directly. So you are avoiding the time for them and you're just uh, allocating directly to the best resource for him. I, you know, I love this part of, uh, of how Roger approaches it and the fact that he uses the hybrid, the, the actual technology part of the visit to triage the doctor. Like we okay. never think of medicine that way, that we're triaging them to the appropriate doctor after their testing. And yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's great, which is um, actually a really good segue to hybrid televisits. And um, these have been very popular. Um, this is when, you know, just for people who don't know, I know you guys all know, this is when the patient comes in for testing and then you talk to them afterwards. So whether it's later in the day, whether it's video or a phone call, doesn't matter, but it's, um, it's a, a segmented visit, just like Roger was saying. So a modular visit. Um, you know, this has, has been a lifesaver for us because uh, we've had our patients come in, but they come in just for a short time for expedited testing. We tell them that they're, they're okay to go home and then we'll follow up with them later uh, for the discussion portion. So it's been keeping our patients less exposed, potentially exposed, um, keeping our staff less exposed as well. But the really nice benefit of this and the reason this is going to stick around is because now we've figured out that we can bring patients into their preferred locations. So for people who have multiple offices, patients can come to any of your locations to have their testing done, and then you can follow up with them from wherever you are. Um, and then the other nice thing about it is that they don't have to wait for your clinic day exactly. uh, to come in. They can come any day and get their testing and then follow up with you. So doctors, this, yeah. yeah, doctors are, are not anymore. They are not anymore the bottleneck. That's the point. We're not the rate limiting factor anymore. It's like a hospital without walls now where they can even be seen after hours and on the weekends too. We're going to weigh in on this here in a little bit, but I wanted to play the news interview that was done recently um, with a patient who um, we were doing a hybrid visit with. So you guys can watch this and then we'll discuss. Focusing on you, innovations in modern medicine from your team of eye experts at Bascom Palmer Eye Institute. I can see that very well there. A new age in eye care has arrived at Bascom Palmer Eye Institute, the nation's number one eye hospital. Now doctors are treating patients through a combination of virtual and in-person visits. This is super advanced, creative telemedicine. It allows Bascom Palmer specialists to help patients from anywhere in the world. Dr. Rania Habash is part of the medical team for 12-year-old Chloe Shapiro. After performing her recent eye surgery, Dr. Habash remotely observed Chloe's clinic checkup by using a video slit lamp. So it snaps into place just on a smartphone. You start the Zoom call, you do a screen share, and the person on the other end can watch the entire exam. In just one sitting, Chloe consulted with two of her doctors. That's why I also like this whole telehealth, like the online appointments, because it's very useful in that sense, like in three hours, I got two appointments done. Patients like Chloe can also use Bascom Palmer's virtual urgent care and second opinion virtual consults, all without leaving the comfort of their own homes. Telemedicine has been super useful for us during difficult times like this. It's also an opportunity for us to grow the practice of medicine in a more evolved way. So I'm really proud of Bascom Palmer for that. Okay, so let's I have talk. to say, 
that's the, that's the first, when I saw that video, that was the first time I ever thought, uh, in terms of like actually seeing the slit lamp exam and all that stuff like Roger does, I was like, wait, I can do that. I mean, it's as easy as snapping on your iPhone and hitting a zoom call and doing screen share. <laughs> I was like, it was like light bulb. Finally, I wasn't yeah. uh, in intimidated. I was like, wait, I can do that. You know, so that's so cool. Yes. Low technology really for such a great image. I mean, cameras on phones are so wonderful now that, you know, this really is accessible. So I think she was an amazing patient and very well-spoken <laughs> for a young girl. Um, yeah. Did yeah. you have KP on that endothelium? You can, you can actually see it with the, the video slit lamp there. So you're right that, you know, the um, You see, guys, have you realized that there has been a huge intersection in all this crisis in this pandemia where all the, 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 the communication that we that have in a way exploded with all the Zooms and webinars. And at the same point, all these lessons learned have been very, very fast spread among all the ophthalmologists with accessibility, with telemedicine at the same time. It has been like a, a bomb, but everything, everything together. If, if this pandemic had happened 10 years ago, telemedicine was only isolated by two or three centers. Today, as you are showing, you can just have with the iPhone, you just put it, uh, you adjust it to your slit lamp, you're there in two minutes. So everything has been like very aligned. Roger, yeah. what, what do you use for, what's your, the device you use to couple your iPhone to the slit lamp? Well, there are many, many different brands. And we, we do have a, a very precise slit lamp prepared for our suite, for our immersive telemedicine suite, where we are, we are mimicking the same from one side to the other with the same dimensions. Well, Blake has been there. It's very unique. But reality is that that's not the only way to do telemedicine. And today you can do telemedicine in a... In a in a, in a modular way like you're showing, in a real way, in an active way with a cell phone. There are many adapters. There are ones performed by a company in Germany that is very good, run by a Colombian guy. But mainly what, what you are comfortable, whatever you have a good image with your cell phone, you will, you will be able to use it in real time. Yeah, the, the one we're using is uh, by Digital Eye Center. I have no financial interest in it whatsoever, but it was like 250 bucks for that adapter. And exactly. it's really, yeah. yeah, it's great because it's universal, fits any smartphone or any tablet. Um, and I can take it with me anywhere I am or leave it. You know, I, I've sent them to all our campuses so that they're there for everyone. Every floor in our uh, building has them. Um, the ER has some so that the residents can do it after hours and, and do staffing with their senior residents and with the attendings. So um, it's been very very handy for us but I think that what you said Roger is perfect you know this is the new age of medicine so we are you know on the the cutting edge of things here and kind of like I said in my video you know it's been an opportunity for us to evolve the practice of medicine further um, and you can see there you know I've uh, you know been able to consult with another physician there be able to see the exam from no matter where I was um, and that's a, a huge benefit to patients these days. Blake uh, what are your final thoughts on things here? Well, I, I think that, um, I think that what, what you did with that phone um, kind of makes me think like, you know, how, how can I, first of all, different people are going to, to accept that in different ways and they're going to be able to integrate it into what they do in different ways. For me personally, what I see that being a huge benefit for is like, what if I'm on vacation, right? What if I want to take a week off 
but I don't want to see zero patients, you know? Uh, and then, cause then you're always, you always make up for it when you get back to work, uh, that following week. So if I can actually see some of my cataract evals or LASIK evals or, you know, some stuff like that and actually look at them through a slit lamp, uh, through what you did, um, you know, to me, that's an opportunity to, 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 you know, not feel quite as guilty when I take some time off and not quite have such a backlog of patients. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you all, Blake, Roger, Kathy. Thank you so much for being with us today um, and for, for this like really open, nice discussion about telehealth and kind of the, the future of telehealth and the, the next uh, generation of it. Um, I welcome questions from our audience so that we can, you know, go through those. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of them. Um, so thank you all for joining us and uh, stay tuned for us answering the questions too. Thanks a lot, BMC. Thank you. Thanks, Anya. <laughs> All right, well, hope everyone enjoyed that. Um, we have a few questions that have come in and uh, we've been kind of tossing around some topics that came up as well. I think people are really intrigued by our show and tell method. Um, and that's important because a lot of people are sort of scared away from telemedicine and you know they, you, they listen to all these webinars and they hear all this stuff being said, but then until you actually try it or see one being done, you can't really imagine what it's gonna be like and how simple it really can be. So um, I love the fact that we're pulling in our colleagues and showing them what we're doing with our exams. I mean, I've certainly done that at Bascom, you know, for some of our colleagues who've been a little bit, you know, more hesitant to jump in, I've found reasons almost to invite them in to do a second opinion consult or um, another, you know, give me a little backup on a patient. And it's amazing how when they jump in, they, they really um, get the hang of things. Have you guys noticed that as well? Yeah, I think, uh, I think getting started with telemedicine is just like getting started with cataract surgery. No one goes to do their first cataract and anticipates doing the entire thing start to finish, unless you're Kathy McCabe, of course, but, <laughs> but, but, but maybe you just make your incisions or maybe you're just putting the lens in, right? So similarly, uh, maybe just pick like one patient and do like a, a, you know, like a PA or someone's coming, you know, has a red eye issue and you say, you know what, let me just do this before you come in just to kind of see or maybe just pick one, you know, post-op that you could do. Don't, don't try to, you know, create an entire list of telemed patients on day one. And just that little bit at a time, uh, you're going to start to notice, oh, you know what, this is something I can do. Or maybe even just triaging your ER patients. You know, it's an easy no-brainer place to start because certainly we know if we see somebody who has a subconjunctival hemorrhage, we don't necessarily need to see that patient. And it's something readily seen on a telehealth visit. So you know, if we could save even just those patients from coming in, that would be really nice for everybody involved, right? So that's a simple place. But I think the way that you did it, Rania, where you had, you know, your consultation collaboration with other physicians, if we're bringing physicians into those visits uh, through telehealth collaboratively, that's kind of a nice bridge to say, look, here's how I talk to the patient. Here's how I'm getting you involved. And maybe that's a nice bridge too for, for some of our colleagues who are a little bit unsure of how to go through the steps and you know how do you really interact with the patient in these visits. So I, I think that's a great place to start as well. <laughs> yeah, Blake, that's analogous to jumping in and doing your first cataract surgery without the attending there. <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> None of us do. <laughs> and Kathy, you're you're so right. You know those those tiny little um, visits that we think nothing of, and we get tons of pictures of subconj hemorrhages and chalasia in our inboxes all the time. Um, those are such powerful telemedicine visits, actually, because think about this: um, you have a patient there who would have come into the ER, but instead 
in 30 seconds, you told them that they just need to stay home and use artificial tears. Or a patient with a sty, you know, who has three kids at home and can't really take time off work to come see you. You know, that is so important to a patient. And we think nothing of it. I think we've become so numb to, to the types of services that we're giving our patients that we forget what a big service we're providing. And uh, another thing along these same lines, when we did our virtual urgent care, we actually found during the pandemic um, that we had 70% of patients that we could actually treat uh, without bringing them in. And they all had these tiny little things going on uh, like conjunctivitis or subconch hemorrhage or chalazia or whatever, um, you know, that we didn't need to bring them in for. And the other 30% that we did need to bring in were patients who really needed to come in. And so we expedited their treatment instead. Um, and those are patients you know, who called in and we did a video call and they would say, I have new flashes and floaters. They started yesterday, they're getting worse, you know, whatever. So obviously you need to come in. Um, and that, those were our statistics, our rough statistics, which I found really interesting actually. You know what? In, just in this conversation, I would, it just reminds me of so many times that we have family members or friends yeah. and we all have this who send you a picture, usually when you're on vacation or wherever <laughs> and say, look at my eye. What should I do about my eye? Do I need to go in? Do I need to take my child into the doctor today on the weekend? Is this something that can wait? And telehealth is no different than all of those kinds <laughs> of consultations we've done with family and friends for years. And so I, I think it's just another bridge that we actually did get to do it with a wider population, not just our family and friends, and we, we actually get to bill for it. So it, that we've all done that to some extent. It should be at least a little bit familiar. Yeah, definitely. It's amazing to actually, you know, get paid for what you, for the work you do, right? <laughs> Um, okay, so um, along the same lines, I thought it was really interesting. Um, collaborative care kept coming up as a very big topic for people. Um, and I think this is interesting because there's been such a turnaround in medicine lately uh, with the consumerization of medicine. So patients want their medical records and they want interoperability and they want more of a say in their medical care. And I think that's great. Um, but this type of thing really lends itself to that um, atmosphere because now you're having patients sort of take control of their visits. They're using, you know, e-check-in and they're getting apps and they're, they're more engaged in their visits and that sort of thing. So I find that this is just, this again is just the new evolution of medicine. Would you all agree with that? Yeah, I think the other thing that it allows is for patients to decide, you know, not just who's available to drive them to their visit, but who in their family do they want to know about their care and help them with their care? Because they can actually bring whoever it is in their environment into the visit at their, you know, at their desire to have them there very easily in a way that may not be as accessible to them if they have to tell them, take two or three or four hours out of your day and come to my visit with me. So I think even in that regard of being better educated and deciding how they wanna be educated and who they want to be educated along with them, they get control of that. So yeah, I think there's many ways that this puts them more in control of their visit. Yeah, I've never thought about that. Um, it's so true, though. I, I have to. I mean, I feel like at least once or twice a week, um, you know, there's there's an uh, an older gentleman who who I start to have my cataract conversation with, and he says, "Hang on, Doctor Williamson. You know, my wife's not here, or my daughter's not here. Yeah. Whatever, whatever nice gal is taking care of the, the, the guy. 
and and we have to reschedule. And uh, in COVID, that's not something that you want to do. Um, and uh, patients are scared to do that. So so what a what a great way to sort of bring someone in. I, I haven't done that yet, but I certainly that's my pearl that I've learned uh, from this webinar. I do that every opportunity I get because it takes two seconds to do. It's so easy, but it's such a high impact thing for the patient. And they get so tickled that their family member is on and the family members love it. It's talked about widely in all our patient, um, you know, our, our patient satisfaction scores and comments, they always comment about that. So that's a really good pearl to take from this. And that's something that we've done already. You know, how many times do we have, do you mind if I just call my, <laughs> my son, who's an ophthalmologist uh, across yeah. the country and have, yeah, and have them on speakerphone during the visit or, yeah. so we've kind of already done those things. We're just going to do it in a more intentional, deliberate and effective way. So I think and in great. video instead of just yeah. phone. <laughs> Um, okay, I think that we are, are wrapping up at this point. Um, any final thoughts from the two of you? You know, I just think the world's changing. And this is one of the ways that it's changing that in the end, as providers, it's going to be a better way of providing better care for our patients. And as a patient, you know, I feel like, yeah, having the opportunity to have my family members available to collaborate with other specialists and a problem that I have. Um, I'm, I think it's powerful for me as a patient too. So I hope that we take this opportunity to really develop it and make it meaningful, effective, and just easier and more accessible to patients and providers in the future. Yeah, and I'd say, uh, you know, for those of you who are watching this, who've done zero telemedicine, or maybe you did it during uh, uh, shutdown and, and you've kind of eased back and you're trying to get back into it, again, just baby steps, just try to pick one patient, look at your schedule tomorrow and just go through and try to find someone who you think may be, uh, you know, a red eye or something like that. Um, and, and just, just pick that one patient and, uh, and give it a shot. Um, and I think that by doing that, you're going to get more and more comfortable and you can implement this in, in many different ways and, and find a lot of efficiencies in your practice as I have. So this isn't something that is cumbersome or slows you down. This is something that speeds you up. Uh, if you learn to sort of hack it, uh, to, to fit your practice patterns. Yeah, very well said. Um, thank you so much. And, and thanks to, to BMC for having us here and for putting this program together. It is so important that we all stay connected and help each other through this and beyond. Um, so I, I'm really thrilled about that. We've had so many developments lately in, in our field um, and we should be really proud of it. And this kind of opens up the floodgates for us to explore some of these other things coming down the road. Um, like now, you know, the ability to have autonomous diagnostics, um, you know, there was an FDA approval recently for INUC, uh, which will allow diabetic retinopathy um, autonomous reads to be um, reimbursed by CMS. And there's a new code for that, which is 92229. Um, so a lot of artificial intelligence and machine learning stuff coming out, um, you know, InjectSense is around the corner as well. You know, that's a, a, a an implantable device with continuous IOP monitoring. You know, that's another uh, version of remote home monitoring, or that is remote home monitoring, again, another reimbursable visit. So those are really important things that are out on the horizon now. And I think telemedicine is the gateway to all of that. So um, kudos to you guys for embracing this so quickly and, uh, you know, and, and bringing us into the future of medicine. It's been great having you both here and Roger too. <laughs> and thank you so much for helping educate us, Rania, and for, our, for all of you uh, helping me to become better at this as well. So I appreciate it. <laughs> 
Thanks for your leadership, Rania. Appreciate it. No, no, we've all been learning from each other. That's the point of all of this, to share best practices. And, uh, and hopefully now we can all, you know, keep communicating after this. Thank you again. Thank you for tuning in to our program today. We'd also like to thank Drs. Habash, McCabe, Williamson, and Zaldivar for their participation in today's program. This program was supported with advertising by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The opinions and views expressed during this program were those of the individual participants and were not necessarily those of Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation or its affiliates. This content will be available for on-demand listening as an episode of CRST The Podcast.